0: i am hot today and i'm not talking temperature because out on the coast it's usually about 70 degrees something i'm learning may do a little life update for you at the end i think the kids seem to like those but i have pages and pages of notes typing away furiously out on the coast nbd but now i'm in downtown la and i am i'm so ready to go saruti i don't i know i talk too fast and Considering it's been a week and a half since I've done one of these, that means I have extra, extra stuff. But uh, here's what I want to do. I want to get into the blow it up rankings offseason stuff and sauced material on teams and agents and stuff that I've been talking to. We also want to give you the up close and personal um, what happens when a news organization reports that you said something. and It turns into a really big deal for about 24 hours because we had that after the Paul George commentary last week. So we'll do blow-it-up rankings, off-season stuff. We will do what-the-hell-happened-with-this-Paul-George thing. Thanks, Slam Magazine. And I think I'm just going to kind of start. Oh, also my Popovich Brad Stevens tweet, which some have said is the dumbest one in the history of anything I've ever put out. But if you're a Marcus Smart-traveled guy, you're a loser. That's where I'm going to (laughs) start. Last night's win by the Celts, uh, big win for them. They move on. They take a Sixers team out in five games. I have a million things that I can do with that. I was listening to the Will Kane show on the ride in a bit, and I know you guys were kind of ar- you know arguing about the process stuff. But just to start with this, if you are the well, Marcus Smart traveled when he intercepted the terrible inbounds pass at the end of that Sixers game last night. You're the worst. You are. You're not even worst dude ever. You're just the worst. Like act like you've watched a game ever. Ever. I mean, they don't call that, forget the NBA, they just don't call that stuff. That's like watching a replay and pointing out that a guard hold it in, in the NFL. Like, yeah, there's probably something's going on. So when smart jumps up and gathers and kind of stutter steps, no one would ever call that a travel ever. That's not even the, oh, all the NBA does is travel or, oh, the Euro step or the two and a half or LeBron travel or Embiid travel, this guy travel, that guy travel. Shut up. No one would ever, like, you don't want people to call that a travel. It's just not a travel. There is a common sense approach that you need to every now and then have when stuff happens in games. And when you do the, well, if it's a travel by the rule, then it's a travel. If it's a traveler, here's the thing, that's never a travel. Ever. It's never a travel. No one would ever call that. So then it's like, oh well by the by the letter of the law, if you wanted everything called by letter of the law, there would always be past interference, there would always be holding, there would always be Slashing in hockey, there would always be, I mean, look, you could call a free throw violation on almost every single free throw now. Everybody steps in too early, but it's like, ah, eh, you know, let's unless it's egregious and it's the one guy, nobody does it. The LeBron thing that he was doing where he was stepping over the free throw line before the ball hits the rim, which is actually the rule, Shaq did it his entire career. It was a violation every time, and they just sort of, you know, didn't do it. There are common-sense approaches the way this game's officiated at times, where a guy will get the whistle after he blows the layup because it's like, look, he got hit a bit, but if he makes the layup, I'm not going to call it there. I don't mind some subjectivity in basketball. And on that play specifically, that is like the all-time reach. That's like saying because the third base coach touches a guy rounding third, On a home run, like actually you're not supposed to touch the player. I don't even know if that's still the rule anymore. I remember it in the little league because I used to have these psychopathic little league coaches in my small little town that was like one bar and everybody was weird and it was kind of like a rough town, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like I was having to pick which gang I wanted to join. But the point is, is that there's a rule there. And I remember this little league game where the other coach protested that a coach was touching the kid while he was off the bag, which by letter of the law is a violation, and then ruled him out, and then it was a 45-minute argument while I'm sitting there in a yellow foam hat at 8 years old playing for the Cougars, batting third, no big deal. But all I'm telling you is if your only takeaway from last night's game is that that should have been a smart smart foul, I'd unfollow me, block yourself from me. I never want to interact with you. Breath. Wow, nice! I so, uh, you know I just can't. I I, I didn't can't. even
1: notice it in real time. Like the game was over. Who cares? Like it doesn't. It, it was a terrible. No, the argument. The argument
0: is is that the Sixers were supposed to get the ball inbounds at that spot with like one set. Sa- you know I didn't no. even break down. The- I watched it again this morning and I went. That guy's the worst. The worst. Like you don't. Then you don't really watch basketball. You don't. You don't. You 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 certainly have never played at any level. But you've never, I don't know, so that's that's kind of the thing. And I'm not even a Marcus Smart guy, and of course it turns into my whole Celtics thing. Again, I picked the Sixers, and I was wrong. So that kind of brings us full circle. Because some people are like, man, you should have stuck with your guns. I, Dude, I was already wrong, okay? So there was no, you think, if you know me, if you think you were, after last night's, if I had picked the Celtics... And they bounce them out in five, and then you think you're getting an "I told you so" tweet, like I'm some hack with a TV show. <laughs> People that, would do that, that though, no right, doubt about oh, no, it. No, no, oh, no, no. So many of my colleagues would do that, but and they'd be so. losers. Mm-hmm. There'd be losers for doing it, and it's like, so what are you going to do? Keep doubling down, doubling down them, and it's like if the Sixers lose in the finals, I told you they didn't have what it takes. I'm not that guy. I get stuff wrong, but it's weird because when I'm wrong, I always end up being kind of right. Just put that aside. Sounds super arrogant, but it's okay. I'm feeling that way today. But uh, you, weren't, it, you were not you were not going to get that. I told you so. At 52 wins, dude, I was wrong. Did I think there was a chance like a 38 and a 44 thing, weird playoff deal in there, and they're the eighth seed and they get bounced out in the first round? I go, hey, you know what? It's still kind of a win. It's still, but, you know, like I, how off was I really? But all, all in all, and we can start talking about like how people grade, those of you that are saying the Sixers' whole thing, like, did it work? Are you... Who are you? What kind of parent are you? You, you? you, like, ground your kids for bees? You know, you'd be dating Emma Stone and, like, no, dude, it was going well, and she... You know, but she's got morning breath. Who doesn't have morning breath, okay? So, uh you can't look at the Sixers' season and play that card that, oh, well, you know what? This is a monumental success. A monumental success. And yes, did they pad their wins at the end of the year against a bunch of teams that were all trying to lose. And yes, at 25 and 25, did Saru and I have moments before we went on the air, and I'm still doing the radio show and I'm thinking, you know what, I'm still going to end up being right about this. And then, it, it just look, they won those games. And a young team like that doesn't Do this this quickly, and that's the point. And there was a tweet where it was like Simmons was wrong, Rasilla was wrong, Cowherd was wrong. All of these like, all right, you know, nationally known big name guys going, you know, Simmons like, dude, I bet the under on the total. Cowherd flipped it enough to get a jersey just in time for them to be eliminated. So shout out to the Sixers for hooking him up. But all I'm telling you is that you can't do this thing where you're looking at the Sixers this year. Yes, it's really disappointing. Yes, I think they have the two best players in this series. And we're gonna to get to that in a second. But if you're doing a radio show or a TV show today and you, you had put all this stock, you, but you shorted the Sixers this year, you, you couldn't have covered it. You couldn't have covered the bet. The Sixers were a, a smashing success this year for a team that had that kind of profile that never ever played together. And I don't know what happened with Covington because all of a sudden like, There's There was a moment there last night where I go, did he just, forget shaving points, did he have the Celtics in the money line? So, you know, him disappearing sucked. I actually thought Embiid, for how he'd looked, and maybe it's the mask, And, you know, the overall numbers are pretty good, but when I sent out a tweet, I think he had 12 points and thrown out of bounds twice, and I'm like, man, I need to see a little bit more, and then guess what? We saw that from him, but the Simmons drop-off from how he completely dictated that first round against the Heat and looked dominant without a shot, and now everybody's like, well, he can't shoot, and I'm like, well, no kidding, he can't shoot, but if it was so fatal, they still beat this Miami team that I completely overrated in their ability to match a Sixers team that's more talented, but... Those are kind of the two things of just consuming the last, not even 24 hours where I go, the Marcus thing, I've already done that rant, but you can't be banging on the Sixers today. You can't. It's disappointing because you start moving on. It's the second round. You start thinking, man, are they going to get out of the finals? Like this, this could be nuts, but this is still an, this is an A minus season as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, they're the victims of their own overach over their success and overachieving, right? Because Rep Brown basically said, "Hey, our goal is to make the playoffs." And if you said they were going to make the playoffs for this year, everyone would have said that's a success. So the fact that they're in that yeah, and first off, the, the five-game series, that the the whole series was closer than five games too. I mean, they blew game 2, they and then games 3 and games 5 could have gone either way and they kind of screwed it up down the stretch. So the, like I'm not sure that everyone's saying, "Oh, wow, the Celtics are like light years ahead of them." I mean, now I know they're getting their guys back, but this series was super close and I just feel like there are little things here and there. But the fact that they were th- that they were this competitive to me like, I- and, and all the guys that are saying, yeah, that is not a success. The, the, the process and like Stephen a. is kind of the guy there, too. And I know we had Ryan Hollins on today he was talking about that they're, It's just because they hate the process. Like they hate the Sixers yeah. because of what they did. And now they're taking that out on them now saying, oh, well, you have to win a championship. That's the goal. And you're like, yeah, but this is the first real go around they've had at it. So why, why, why does it have to be successful in the first season? It was a successful season. Like, if they don't win a championship 10 years from now, maybe we could have this discussion, but I still think they put them, the, the whole goal of the process was to give yourself more opportunities to get guys like Embiid and Simmons, and they totally succeeded.
0: Right. I think what we have here is a battle of, of the nerds in the old school, because like, I love Pablo, but he's so all in on Hinky. That he was rooting for an outcome as if the Sixers are the only, no, and he just absolutely loved like the extra nerd part of it. And so Pablo was like all in and a lot of NBA writers that are big numbers guys were all in and like Hinky's unbelievable and he's doing, and it's like, well, okay, is he, what he's doing, and I've said this numerous times, is he, his biggest failure was not massaging the message whatsoever. And him being, again, a guy that has like 20 blue blazers, size 38, all tailored to the exact same, uh, measurement of his body, which would make sense because they're his blazers, um, because he, de- he wants to eliminate decision fatigue. Okay. Uh, I had other teams that would kill him routinely to me. And sometimes I thought they were fair criticisms and other times I thought these GMs are just jealous. Saying was, what was the criticism? How apparently there was some, there was a story and this may have been in one of Pablo's pieces or somebody else. I mean, so many guys, look, you, you'll admit the writers liked him probably too much. Is yeah. that fair? Yeah. Okay. Like, and they were arguing as if it was this, this groundbreaking thing. Yeah, he you was go, a Renaissance like, man. Yeah. He just, he was just different and he was kind of from the outside world. And I think people that write about sports, uh, you know, a lot of them aren't ex athletes. And so therefore, I think they maybe subconsciously root for the outsider to succeed in a world that seems so closed off. And vice of versa. This. I think the, I think the ex athletes also root for Absolutely. the guys who didn't play to not have success. Right. Like, when when Daryl Morey got hired, Jeff Van Gundy made fun of him, and he was the head coach. And Van Gundy's apologized and said he was wrong a million times, so I'm not knocking Van Gundy, Van Gundy for it now, but, like, he made a stat-like nerd joke about it. And it was his GM. You know, and Barkley kills it all the time, and, like, it just... It's funny because you're seeing progress in the understanding and accepting of certain numbers because you have to. Some of the numbers are so good and so valuable, and they tell us so many stories that stuff didn't, you know, what we weren't aware of before. But, you know, I'd heard, and I don't know if somebody wrote about this or not, that Hinky was actually tracking his his team's warm-up shots, like, before the game. And you just go, who cares, you know? Um, so, you know, there was a lot of, look, there's a lot of animosity from other general managers that go, I'd love to have that job security. Hey, I'm going to just suck for four years and then you're going to have to resign me and you'll have no idea if I'm any good at my job. And here's the thing is if Embiid stayed hurt and was an injury bust, uh, I don't like the guys that I will not call guys that can play and then get hurt busts to me as a bust is, is somebody, I mean, this is semantics, like it, yes, it's lost value or lost, um, you know, whatever, however you want to phrase what a pick means, you know, equity. Um, you know, if, if they fell in the lottery and ended up with Jalen Brown instead of Ben Simmons, and you know, who knows? Jalen's obviously better than I thought he would be. Um, but you know, I don't think, I don't think he's going to be like this transformative star that Simmons has a chance to play. So there's still another way where we'd be going, Oh, wait a minute. So this guy who trades Drew Holiday, drafts Michael Carter Williams, you know, drafts Jalen Brown. It takes, takes Jabari Parker. You know, there's, there's a roadmap, but I mean, that's the whole point, as you said, is that it's, it's pretty simple. Give me more places at the table here. Let me play five hands of blackjack instead of one. And eventually some of these are going to hit. Um, and that analogy is not perfect necessarily because you'd have to be up on the five hands in basketball with picking. You can take Okafor over Przingis and miss. And as long as you still have two more picks. And that's what has to hurt so much about the Fultz thing, because here's Fultz sitting, watching, and then Tatum is lighting your team up. And I would say right now, Tatum's the most, I mean, as far as offensively and, and talent and ability, the most talented guy offensively for the Celtics is a rookie. So when I'm gonna get into this Celtics Sixers thing and this Celtics and Brad Stevens and Popovich thing that I tweet about, but, you know, this Celtics team, Now, all of a sudden, everybody's trying to tell us how talented they are, and you can be talented but not ready, so if the Sixers are young and unfinished, what the hell are the Celtics? You know, Brown scored five points per game in the playoffs last year, and he's still kind of hurt. Tatum is a year removed from a high school season, and... If that's a reason why it's holding back the Sixers, why is that not a reason it's holding back Tatum and, and the Celtics? And Rozier, I, you know, if you could double-check this for me, because the internet's not working here, uh, I think he's actually technically younger than Embiid. So this is still an incredibly young team for the Celtics, so you can't go, well, the Sixers are just young, and they are. I mean, you could see they had a really hard time closing out stuff. They had a hard time closing uh, that game, well, what was it, game three, the overtime game? Yeah, on Saturday. And it was game three, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, right. Overtime, that's right, yeah, because I'm just trying to remember where I was. And, you know, Embiid and Simmons run into each other. I know Steve and I went on a crazy rant about Simmons not getting the ball back with five seconds left. That makes no sense to give it to Simmons because you're passing it to a guy that far away from the hoop that then has to not shoot. So you're asking him to take the inbound and then immediately make a pass to another player to then make a play? That's dumb. I'm sorry. Like that and Simmons it. both 24 by the way. Rosier and Simmons? I mean and uh, and no, both 24. And B, right, right. Yep. So uh <sighs> So, you know, I mean, you can do the whole anti-process thing, but don't do it after this team won 52 games and and made it to the second round of the playoffs. And I agree with you. Like, they were close. Celtics are the better team. They execute better. They're tougher. They have more heart. You can use all the clichés you want. They were far more comfortable in those moments, moments where I felt like during the regular season the Sixers really weren't that great executing. There's some really bad fourth-quarter numbers. Other people tell you that they fixed it, but then again, did they fix it against those bad teams? But then they had those great second halves against the Heat. So don't do the process thing doesn't work because this is, this is why this whole thing is so dumb. If you want to knock the process or you want to knock tanking in general, so we do not have to make it uh, specific to the Sixers. Feel free to present me with the foolproof approach of rebuilding your basketball team. And I'll wait and I'm going to wait forever because there is no, like, you can't just go, oh, I'll do it the Spurs way. Well, the Spurs and, you know, Spurs fans don't like this. They don't like to hear that their guys, David Robinson and Elliot, rested the whole time and then ended up with Duncan in the lottery, but that's what happened. And they deny it and Spurs fans deny it. Like, here's the thing. It's okay. I've had moronic Celtics fans go, oh, we don't tank. Dude, you've, you've tried to tank twice and you were too good four years ago. And they tanked and the only real long stretch for Paul Pierce where he sat, look at the two thousand six, two thousand seven or excuse me, two thousand yeah, two thousand six, two thousand seven se- season. It's the Odin Durant draft. They tanked like crazy. They sat all those guys down. Doc was losing his mind. They lost a million games towards the end of the season. They were tanking. They were trying to get Odin. They were trying to get Durant. And then guess what? They end up with the fifth pick. They trade that Jeff Green pick for Ray Allen. That induces, even though I really always felt like Garnett wanted to go Um, and he wanted to leave Minnesota. He just wanted to do it in a way where he wasn't going to get crushed publicly. Like it really bothered him. And then he bounces, he comes. So like the Celtics, and I'll never forget working for Comcast in Boston is that we're sitting there watching the lottery. Like you remember gold rush at the end when the grandfather sits there and they're counting out the gold and he's like, Oh, we got 80 ounces in this jar. And we're going to have, you're all millionaires, but it's all in the ground. And like the kid who's staying on the camp, I think this is the first season. They never got 80 ounces in the first season, but there's like, there's kids up at the campsite at the mine that they're working and they're, they're doing an awful job and crap's breaking every day. And they're sitting around a campfire. And I don't know how no one loses any weight, by the way, on that show. Cause you're in the middle of the woods. They must spend all of their gold on food and beer, but there were kids there. And the grandfather's like, we're all millionaires. You just gotta mine it. And the kid like turns to his dad and goes, we're going to be millionaires. Does this mean we can get another car? You know, and you go like what? Like that seems, that seems kind of aggressive. Um, I kind of lost my train of thought on that one. I'm sorry, Saruti.
1: Well, I just want to say I can't stand. Celtics guy acting like they did this the right way like you guys didn't have to tank because you had a team tanking for you like you didn't like if anything the Celtics proved that tanking works because they got their two best players now in the series because another team tanked basically
0: yeah, I don't know if I'm ready to put – well, the, the Brown thing, who knows? I mean, we don't know. And the whole point that I was trying to make was I remember working there and we're like, oh, the Celtics, if they get the number one pick, they were going to have like 10 new full-time jobs for Celtic staffers. And everybody's waiting around me like, I'm going to have health insurance. So now I remembered where I was at, and I just got way too into my gold rush impersonation. And um you're right. I mean, the Celtics tanked. The Celtics tanked. And then – it didn't work, so they flipped the pick, and then they ended up winning a championship. And, like, to be at an all-time low at lottery night going, oh, my God, we tanked, we sucked it up, and now we have the fifth pick, and it's Jeff Green. Like, oh, my gosh, this is awful. And it's like, nope, you're going to flip that for Ray, and then you're going to get KG, and then you're going to win 60 games and win a title. And you would have never, ever thought it. So, you know, Heat fans are like, well, that's not what we do. No, no, what you did is like a once-in-a-hundred-year scenario. Well, same thing with the Celtics this, this time around, right? That, I mean, that's, that,
1: that doesn't happen. You don't just like get gifted a bunch of awesome picks.
0: Celtics fans used to complain forever that we'll never get any free agents. So Horford was like the first big time free agent that they signed. And then they signed him in back to back years and Kyrie was cool with going there. You know, the place that no one ever wanted to go. Uh, so that kind of leads me to this, this whole Popovich, Brad Stevens thing is that I said in a tweet, Brad Stevens has done more with less than Popovich ever did. You have to understand where this is coming from. This is coming from the utmost respect for Duncan. I think there was a stretch where I picked the Spurs to win the NBA title seven straight years. That's how great I think Duncan is. Duncan is a top ten player of all time. So what I'm really doing is telling you how amazing Duncan is. And that Duncan at really any really good point of his career, which went even longer than we thought, and the only time he really ever kind of fell off was that last season, and it wasn't terrible, but there was like the way he was playing in those back to back seasons leading up to the title they should have won, and then the redemption title that they did get against Miami, he was incredible. So this is me saying Duncan is so much better than I think anybody the Celtics have right now. And if you're Brad Stevens and you have to, again, four years ago when they were trying to tank and they make the playoffs and they get swept. And then the next year they win 48 games when it's Isaiah Crowder, Evan Turner. Like look at that roster that won 48 games and they get into the playoffs. They may have lost their first two games and you guys aren't going to believe this unless you live in Boston, but people were doing, oh, Brad Stevens is so great, huh? Can't win a playoff game. Can't win a playoff game. Here's this team that you go, how are they any good? They're in the playoffs back-to-back years. Again, a year they were supposed to tank, Isaiah ends up being a lot better than you thought he was going to be. And no one on the Celtics would have ever thought he was going to be that good. And for people that also want to – and look, I think Ainge is the best GM in the league. I've said it a long time. I went on a massive Kyrie trade rant about how great Ainge was, that his patience ability is is greater than anybody else. That might be his best skill. But – I, know, I love what Ainge has done. Everyone on this roster can actually play. And during the regular season, you go, you know, they bring in guys off the bench, and even Tice and Larkin, like, these guys don't suck. And Rogier was, you know, the fourth guard. And you go, man, you know, he can play a little bit, and we're seeing that now. But I just think those Spurs teams were awesome. And then... You know, you have a historically weak number 1 seed, but it was still the 1 seed, and here they are, back-to-back conference finals, and I don't know what the hell to do against LeBron and Cleveland. I'll do that pick a little bit later. So that is my Brad Stevens has done more with less because he reinvented this team three different times this year. And Spo, who's terrific, either didn't have the manpower, and that's part of it, but they didn't figure out a way to stop Simmons the way the Celtics did. And exploit his weaknesses. They just didn't. And that's weird because Miami's a pretty good defensive player. Like they at least have some options to hang with Simmons and rotate defensively against him. And he was a monster. So when I look at the Celtics team and you know, I know the jump did this thing that was like stop saying they're under man. And now it's turned into this thing that they're loaded and it's because of their draft picks. You go, okay. So wait a minute. Me who's been as pro Horford as anybody. Now Al Horford's a superstar. Are you serious? He had zero points in the first half of that first game on the road against Philly. And I defend Horford all the time because he's not a guy you're going to dump it into 20 times in the post and just work people to death, even though it looks like he can do some of those things. And his shot selection, it's almost too good. And it reminds me a little bit of Garnett where you're like, man, I actually wish you kind of shot it a little bit more here. But we never did that with Garnett because Garnett was just in another level. So I'm going, okay, so Horford was a third pick. Jalen Brown was a third pick by default because the draft was a disaster after that. And then you have Tatum who's the third pick this year but he's still the rookie and now Marcus Mark cuz he was a sixth pick is a stud. He's a bench guy on any good team. And Rogier, like oh look at the lottery picks, look at all these picks. So don't I I just think it's really weird that all of a sudden this team is super talented because they have three number 3 picks. We're like all right, you want to play that game? Then the Wizards are sick because they have a top pick in Porter, the number 1 overall in Wall and Beal's the third pick. Are they awesome? No, I mean, do you want to do this game where we just run through every team's picks? Like, shouldn't the Lakers be sick? Randall was picked right after smart, ball went to, Ingram went to. So they're awesome, right? If we're doing the same game here. And that's, this is maybe me watching them all season long going, they really got a chance here to go to the NBA finals. And the Hayward thing, they've adapted clearly. And you lose Kyrie at the end, and they reinvent this thing, and a rookie and Rogier are the guys that really bail them out of tough offensive possessions. That is impressive. And it doesn't mean it's a great team depth-wise. It's a great job of drafting. You know how much I love Ainge. You know how much I love Stevens. But if this team were just on paper to start the year, you're lying. If you go, yeah, that team will make it to the NBA Finals or even the Eastern Conference Finals. And that's kind of been my point, but the media has clearly gone the other way arguing against my whole premise that um you know the Celtics like this isn't like don't just go oh this guy was drafted here, this guy was drafted here. Oh look at all these lottery picks. So the team's loaded. A lot of teams have a ton of lottery picks that aren't good. What's this? Well
1: I'm 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 gonna go back to the Horford thing. The idea that Horford is now some sort of like top whatever NBA player and like is as good as MB is insane. It's insane. Right, like, that was
0: the Bamani tweet that I didn't understand. Like, he went at me and goes, you know, blah blah and I'm like, wait, what? Like, no one was taking Horford over Embiid or Simmons. No one, not one person. Horford's own sister who kills people on Twitter. Well, she probably would have still picked Al. So, like, all right, so keep going. Because that one is, that one to me is kind of laughable. That people are like, well, you know, Horford and his whole approach and leadership and all this stuff, you know, I think I'd rather have him in a playoff series than Embiid. You're like, you didn't, see, there's no way you thought that before game one.
1: Yeah, and I just think the whole thing, like, and, you know, like Steve, this goes back to me, and it goes back to the Spurs thing. Like these guys, all these guys, and I know you really liked Tatum coming out of the draft. You know Jalen, who loved who, him, who knew Yeah, you were. I mean, you were the guy. That was like Porzingis and him. That was the yeah, guys that I, I remember was the you guy. always saying we're going to be awesome. So uh, Porzingis, and Tatum, up two yeah. wins there.
0: Yeah, two um, Ws,
1: long time Ws too. Not just hey, I got a series wrong. But like with Jalen Brown, Terry <laughs> Rozier, I, I think like. it's it's almost it's like a Spurs thing to me of like are these guys really that good or is it the system like I don't know I think
0: Tatum's that good
1: I think no I'm talking about Jalen I'm talking about Jalen Tatum I think is Tatum's the guy for me that like no doubt about it I try to keep that guy if we're talking about a Kawhi potential trade or moving one of these guys for another star I try to keep Tatum I try to move Jalen Brown but like Jalen Brown and Terry Rozier I'm not sure if either of those guys go anywhere else like if they end up in Orlando or someplace like they're just guys they're they're I don't think they're anything But because Stevens is so freaking good at like getting the best and like making these guys into what they can put and and seeing their potential out, like I wonder, like, you know, that just makes me think how good, how good Stevens is and it's on a pop level of developing players.
0: And this is still, you know, it's, I still feel like this is kind of a compliment to Duncan and Pop and all of this stuff. Like, so Kawhi was drafted later and became a top five player with a finals MVP. They're not, they're not as talented. You know, people screwed up the Kawhi thing, but they saw something different. And maybe, you know, look at Kawhi's development. In the beginning, you're like, oh, hey, this guy's going to be all right. And you're like, oh, wow, he's pretty good. And you're like, finals MVP? But even guys like LeBron and Durant were kind of like low-key dissing him when they were asked about his standing or his comparison to them. Like, do you see Kawhi as just, you know, and then like those guys used to do eye rolls about that stuff. Um. So and the funny thing, too, is that it caught me into this thing where all of a sudden I was anti-Horford, which is hilarious. And then it was this deal of of me not... So Spurs fans, this is kind of the punchline of the whole thing, Spurs fans who have felt criminally ignored, overlooked by everyone in the NBA world for a decade and a half started arguing with me about how bad their teams have been. <laughs> I'm like, what are you, nuts? And yes, Danny Green figuring it out, you know, and Forbes and which one, which Forbes do you want to pick? Um, you know, Bertans and and these dudes, and Ginobili and Parker's fall off, and Dejounte Murray's a guy at the end of the first round. But it was funny to be like, well, they don't have any lottery picks. You know, like, so Lamarcus doesn't count as a lottery pick for San Antonio, but Horford does. Okay, I got it. So you know, that was my point. And problematic in that context is that, you know, here's here's a little rule: if somebody who's covered the NBA for 15 years tweets out something about Popovich, there's a chance he does know he has five rings. So if it's a res, if you read that as a resume, Brad Stevens has done more than Greg Popovich. Well, yes, that would be insanely, insanely stupid. Well, by the way, this could be Popovich's best coaching job. I mean, yeah. And that's the other, it's a great point because in the timing of saying this, if this were a 2006 season where his best player, Duncan was out for the year because he just decided to protest the season, um, and they were left with like a, a decent, you know, number two option. Lamarcus was really good this year. He's turned this thing around, and it was terrific. And that was really weird too to read about that story about how he'd asked Lillard to ask Neil O'Shea to trade back for him. You know, like, well, I don't think they're going to take Evan Turner. And that was after Lamarcus like was gone. You know, he's like, no, I'm out of here. And then it's like a year later, you want to leave the Spurs. Like, that's kind of a weird thing altogether. But um, it's it's a it's just a great point. I mean, it's a, it's a great point because saying somebody's doing more than pop with less in the year pop maybe did the most with the least timing wise. That wasn't good for me, at least for that argument. Cause you just give Oh, look at them. I mean, that team really wasn't that good this year. Uh, but you know, the six or Celtics thing overall, like well, you are I think some people would hear you say, what do you mean? It was close. It was five games. Not all five game series are created equal. Thunder heat finals six years ago. Now, incredible. Uh, I thought close, OKC could not close like young teams can't close and yet Philly you go oh they're young they can't close well so is Boston and they closed. And I guess Horford is the difference now. I just it was such a weird dynamic to go. You guys know I like Horford too much, right? And uh guys just can't keep up.
1: Like it, that's, yeah. that's the thing. Like they, you know, they can't follow all the takes.
0: No, that and that's the other thing too is like I'll get the drive by guy, you know, and if you if you don't follow me or you don't subscribe to the podcast, please subscribe, rate and review a million times. If you don't do that, then you think like, oh, hey, I'm going to mess with Russillo. I'll be like, hey, are you ever going to say anything about your Sixers take? And you go, well, dude, you're obviously new here. Okay, coming up, I'm going to, after extensive note-taking and using a Word document, I'm going to talk about the blow-it-up rankings, the coaches that should have been fired gossip, and an anatomy of how clickbait works, and maybe a little life update. All right, you want to do that?
1: I'm all about it. Honestly, I don't even know where your your life's at right now, so I'm finding out like everybody else.
0: Perfect. Okay. That's all coming up next. Okay. I want to tell you a little bit about Dollar Shave Club. I love these guys. I love their ads. I like their CEO. I could see myself hanging out with them. If you ever shower or brush your teeth, I hope you do that, or try to make your hair look presentable. I hate when I have to read that part. I've got good news for you. Dollar Shave Club has a lot of stuff to help you out. Dollar Shave Club delivers everything you need to look, feel, and smell your best. Dollar Shave Club has everything you need to get ready in the bathroom. Their CEO told me one day, the guy that started the company, goes, we're going to own the bathroom, and they own it. It's more than just razors. Dollar Shave Club. Yes, that Dollar Shave Club delivers everything you need to look, feel, and smell your best. You name it. Shampoo, conditioner, body wash, toothpaste, hair gel, even a wipe that'll leave your tush feeling tingly clean. That's a new sentence. Nice. I'm a big fan of their Amber and Lavender Calming Body Cleanser. I'm going to have to soak in that stuff after this podcast because clearly I'm very fired up on a Thursday I've never smelled anything like it. I do have it. I have used it. Um, good find, good luck finding a product though that feels this good. That's as great in a store. All of Dollar Shave Club's products are made with top shelf ingredients that won't break your budget. You'll feel the difference. Plus shipping is free with your membership. Here's the deal. Great way to get a bunch of stuff from Dollar Shave Club. All of their products. You can do it for just five bucks. You can get their daily essentials starter set so what like hey what do i want to do today how do i want to improve myself next week i'm going to get a daily essentials starter set you're going to start telling roommates look out it's me 2.0 this summer it comes with body cleanser one Wipe Charlies, they're amazing butt wipes, a world-famous shave butter, their best razor, the six-blade executive. You don't even need a promotion at work to use it. Keep the blades coming for a few bucks a month. They show up in the mail. It's super easy. You're like, oh, hey, nobody likes me. Yeah, they do. Those guys at Dollar Shave Club do. It's a nice little envelope with a little package. Keeps the blades coming for a few bucks a month. Uh, you throw in shampoo, toothpaste, or anything else you need. Check it all out at dollarshaveclub.com. That's slash Ryan, R-Y-E-N. That's Club dot com slash Ryan R Y E N. Okay, this is going to be a little inside. This is going to be for the Rosillo crew out there, because um, you guys are all in on this, and this is this is comical. Uh, we all know what's going to happen, so I need everybody's advice to try to figure out how to play this one. I probably already know what I'm going to do, so I don't know. Maybe that was a way of pretending I was going to be interactive, and I know I'm not going to be, but I'm just trying to keep it 100. Um, be affirm the decision you've already made. Yeah, okay. yeah, right. Like I've already decided what I'm going to do. But I want everybody to be involved in it. I want everyone to see how this plays out this summer to know what's going on. So the last podcast I mentioned about Paul George. And, you know, go back and subscribe if you want. Uh, I think it's pretty clear. And you correct me here, Saruti, because I went back and listened to it just to make sure. I was like, man, did I get that wrong? But I said... As of that day when I did it, which was last Monday, I go, this is the first time I've talked to anybody that has said definitively they think Paul George is gone. It's a league source, right? So I go, hey, what's up? Yep. And they go, oh, he's gone. Okay, so I was quoting my source saying he's gone. And then I had said, I follow up, like, okay, then where? And the guy was like, oh, look, I don't know where, but he's gone. And then I used that as the talking point in what is an informal um, thing here a podcast and I would have done it on the radio show and the way I would have done it. If we started talking about Paul George, I'd be like, you know, look, this is somebody I trust saying he thinks he's gone and we'll see what happens. So the next day, slam magazines, Twitter feed goes, Ryan Rossillo reports. Paul George leaving says he's gone. Quote, or Ryan Rosillo reports. Paul George, he's gone. Quote, and then it blows up and I'm like, dude, you gonna be kidding me. So, the irony has been that Sruti, in the years that we've worked together, how many things that I've had right. And yeah, I'm annoying about it because it doesn't seem like anybody cared and it never picked up any traction. Like I, I'm not, I, I think you're keeping me in check here. That, like, first of all, that was accurate, right? A recapping of what was said in the podcast. Yeah. Exactly. Okay.
1: And then and, like I had just brought up like, Hey, Royce was saying the opposite. And we were, and you had even had mentioned like, yeah, okay. Like, you know, two different, you could be talking to two different people. This is what I'm hearing.
0: Yeah. And I even said Royce is on the ground there every day. So I actually, and I did catch up with Royce and we talked about it for a while. And then apparently it came up and it became Ryan Rossillo's reporting Paul George is gone. And then Sam Presti is asked about it. And then he kind of insinuated I was completely full of bleep as if I was just some dude trying to get attention. And then I was being blamed for clicks. So the next day I tweeted out a link to the podcast and said, you know, so dot dot dot. It says yesterday that I reported, and that's not what I said. And if you want to listen to what I actually said, go ahead and check it out here. And I imagine the people that don't listen, I I don't even know what that number would be of people being like, hmm, let me see what he actually said, because I just don't think anybody does it that way. And even as a talk show host, there's people I've worked with where you get this quote, and you think, okay, I'm going to build a segment around this. And then you hear the full quote and full context, and it's a completely different tone and I've had hosts go, okay, and I'm one of the guys to be like, oh man, like I can't do this segment now, tear it up. And I've had other people I've worked with go, eh, who cares? I already wrote out the segment. I'm just going for it, you know, <laughs> like, like I'm just going to go for it, whatever. I wrote this down on an index card. I got to use it now. Um, so here's what's going to happen: if he stays, I'm going to get murdered, murdered. Yes, and there's nothing I can do about it. I can say that's not what I did. I can say it's not what I said. I'm not reporting that he's gone. I brought it up as a source thing from a guy who I trust, who believes that he's gone. And I was sharing it with my audience because I like you guys so much. And I'm going to get killed. And it'll be funny because it'll be as if it's the only time I've ever said anything about player movement and all the other stuff where I go, nope, that's not happening. This is going to happen. Pay attention to this. This could be real. Here's what the team would say yes to. Here's what they would say no to. Here's the market for this guy. None of that stuff is going to matter because I will be the guy for people that don't know me intimately, which seems impossible, right? We'll we'll say, oh, you're the, you're the idiot who said Paul George was leaving and it's going to really piss me off.
1: Yeah, I could tell that's it's, it's already making you mad. You're anticipating your anger, which is, I mean,
0: I'm anticipating being mad. So I could go on a full court press. And then as I do that, people are like, oh, walk it back much. And you're like, not read anything much, you know? So I don't even know how to handle that. Here's the deal. What if he leaves?
1: Then you are going to get zero credit for it.
0: <laughs> because it's going to be like, oh, that was so
1: obvious. Everybody's <laughs> yeah. leaving. Why That's going the be I
0: didn't even think of it. That'll be the best. I'd be like, dude, whatever. Obvious call. Obviously, he was leaving. Some guy on his couch would be like, yeah, dude, I, I had that information too. Big deal. I got a DM from a guy who was like, you speak facts, bro, hearing the same thing. And it was about... It was about something that George was no longer doing in Oklahoma City that he'd been doing, and then he stopped doing it. It was like, he's out. And then I always love the L.A. real estate thing. It's like, dude, have you ever been out here? If you had that much money, you'd want a house in one of the sick neighborhoods on the water, too. Like, you know, LeBron, oh, he, he wants to do Space Jam, too. He bought a house. He probably gonna play for the Lakers. <laughs> you know? Russell is going to go back. He bought a cottage in Vermont. He's probably going to go back there and play college basketball at 40. Uh, yeah, so this is, this is gonna be fun. So everybody knows. Now we all know the game. We can all sit here and collectively watch it all play out. If he leaves, it'll be the obvious call. Um, and you know what would be funny is, and I'm doing this too, by the way, cause I get a 50-50 shot at this, right? Maybe, I don't really know what the odds are, but I think Vegas came out and had it as the Lakers is the favorite. You know what I think oh, is funny? I actually got an email about this. Hold on. What?
1: Vegas odds of Paul George. Hold on.
0: Right, so I think the Lakers are the favorite, and then the second highest odds are, um or lowest, uh, are on Oklahoma City. And they're kind of close. So if we call it a 50-50 shot, you could say, hey, I'll just ride it out, you know? I've been Here wrong before.
1: Bo- Bovada, Bovada has Lakers favorite, OKC second favorite, but Lakers are like one to, you know, uh, was that, plus 200, and it looks like Thunder are minus 400.
0: Alright, so actually it's still, that's, that's pretty, actually that's still slanted to the Lakers there. Uh, I wonder too, imagine if they were like, hey, that one guy said he's already gone. Could I have impacted it that way? So this is, this is the circular motion of how this stuff happens. And it's incredible. And I love that all of us, whether it's you or me, Sruti, and everybody that's listening to this thing, we're all in on this now. We're going to ride this out until July.
1: Yeah, I am always.
0: Every twist and every turn. But every time now, and it happened, I saw it on Sports Illustrated, and I saw it one other place, where it's like, despite early reports that, and some people have mentioned my name and other people's haven't, that Paul George is already gone. Here's what I can tell you, is that I don't think anybody knows what they're doing until they know what LeBron's doing. So if LeBron's staying, and I still think Cleveland is very much in play in this whole thing, I've been consistent with that the whole time, I'm sure it could change, but as of conversations this weekend... It's that he's staying in the East, first and foremost, and that he is... Well, watch what this is going to happen again. Rosilla reports LeBron will not go West. Um, that one I actually feel better about. But he's going to try to find... And I'm going to get to these blow-it-up and the Kevin Love trade stuff, but that's the, hey, could we get George to opt in, force the trade, do the Chris Paul thing? You know, the sneaky one that I feel like has been ignored in this Houston deal is that Paul, Chris Paul can make another decision this summer because he opted into that Clippers thing. Now what you have to wonder, is it like a Kevin Love deal where it's understood if we're trading this asset for you, which was a number one overall pick and Wiggins that you're going to sign this extension when nobody thought that he would actually sign that extension because he looked miserable in Cleveland that first year. And guess what? I told you he was going to stay and he stayed the whole time. I remember Van Pelt. He's like, why would he want to stay? I'm like, dude, he's staying. He's staying. It's done. It's already done. So, unless even if he didn't Chris want Pol- to, he gave his
1: word probably, right?
0: Yeah, like, it, it's probably one of those deals. It's like, we can't, like, cause you can't trade the first overall pick, especially for what we thought Wiggins could possibly be. And then, you know, look, we still liked Parker. Um, and you know, Parker shown a little bounce back here. I'm getting two in the weeds. And then there was Embiid and you go, you know, I don't really want to trade this pick for one year, of Kevin Love, and have you bounce. So that's where your juice as a GM, your longevity, like, that's the part about the GM job that, You know, guys that aren't valuable and the guys are super valuable. The super valuable guys are the guys that make sure they know if I'm moving this asset, you know, I got to make sure. Now, the difference with Houston is they didn't really move a a Wiggins-level type of asset, a number one overall pick type of asset. So I don't know. I don't know. Like, rumblings-wise, it's inconclusive. I don't know what's going on there. you think he'd Um, really consider leaving?
1: Like, I don't – I mean, things would have to go really bad in this series, I think, for him to, to want to leave, right?
0: Yeah, but what if he and Paul excuse me, what if Chris Paul and LeBron go, Hey, you know what, dude? Let's just go somewhere or you come here, you know? Um and and he tells the team, like, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce. You know what I mean? Like there's You think it would be better a better decision for him to go to Cleveland though? Um, no, the Houston thing's rolling. Right I know. Now. Um, you know, and I'll give out the finals picks here in a second, but uh that's that's why like I'm sitting here going, I don't think Paul George, like he knows he has to have some idea of where he's going, but I think the uncertainty of the offseason with LeBron and with Kawhi and ultimately Paul George, like those guys are going to talk. Like NBA All Star Weekend is recruitment re- weekend. All the guys do is recruit each other. Okay, and Paul George has been the guy that the rest of the superstars that wanted to add a piece here or there are saying, "Come play here." Now, by all accounts, George really likes Russell Westbrook. Really likes him. May not look that way on the court, but, you know, George is a, a number two personality on a basketball team. And I think you could even see that if you were a Pacers fan and be like, you know what? You're right. Extremely talented, but he's a number two personality, which wants you wanting a little bit more, but you sign him. You still sign him, even if he's not perfect. So if you wanted to go to Lakers and cap space and that kind of stuff, like you don't go, eh, you know what? He doesn't really have the killer instinct. No, you go, dude, like enough of this, enough waiting around. We're going to bring in Paul George. So, uh, We'll see. We'll see what happens. Okay, blow it up rankings. Are you ready for this? I'm pumped
1: for this, to be honest with you, because I was I was um, on what was it uh, that Wednesday, whatever day the Raptors got eliminated. I, I was very much in the in the camp of like, this is the best team they've ever had. Like, what are you going to do? We going to like you know like, go back to the drawing board and win twenty games next year, and that's going to somehow be better than trying to get the one seed and just coming back again next year. Like, it's okay if you know your ceiling sometimes.
0: Yeah, I, I actually started with, you know, when we had a third of the teams tanking to start the season a couple of years ago, it was awful. Like, I actually think tanking isn't nearly as bad now. It's just that tank off at the end of the year. But go back a few seasons ago, and it felt like to tip a third of the league was going, eh, we're not super into this. And like, back to the what whole year tanking was that? thing.
1: Who who was uh yeah. Who was available? Was that the Simmons one? Or was that... Oh, uh, uh, no, 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 that was Wiggins. That was Wiggins, Wiggins Parker, was Wiggins, and Embiid.
0: Yeah. Yep. Right, because Parker was ahead of Wiggins before that started, and Embiid was kind of like, huh, I wonder what's going on with him. But the people that really knew were like, dude, wait until you see this guy. And the way Embiid improved over that year, as I've said a million times, I don't know that I've ever seen anything like it. Like at the end of the year, like, you'd watch it, because like, i go through all the games, you know, for the lottery guys, and you'd watch him, and you go, oh, my God. Like, I can't believe the stuff he's picking up. Um... He's so smart. God, MB's such a smart player. But, uh, all right. So let's do this. So basically off of that, I started to have a little bit of respect for some teams who go, you know what we kind of want to do is just see how many games we can win <laughs> and, and see what happens. But in this, a conference championship in college football doesn't mean anything world, which is really unfortunate. You know, this, this whole like, it's same as that Sixers conversation. You're like, oh, laws in the second round, failure. And you're like, what are you talking about? What do you do with the Raptors? So if I had to list, all the teams, I could go really deep, but I think the three teams people are talking about the most are Toronto, are Washington, and Portland. And those are the three teams I'm going to focus on. And I don't like the blow it up button. I think it's completely unrealistic. You have to, you can't just say, Hey, you know what? We're going to blow this thing up. For what? What are my options? Don't tell me, don't ask me, should Toronto blow it up, unless I kind of know what their options are. Having said all that, Toronto's at the top of this list. There's no way, if I were Masai in the ownership, I would want to come back with a fifth year with this mentally fragile team. I can't imagine spending all off season being the Raptors after this 59 win regular season, number one seed, number two in point differential, only behind Houston ahead of Golden State. Their point differential was like at eight, almost eight points per game. Like that's a really good number and you get worked, worked like your brother coming home from college. You'd be practicing your jumper all year and he comes back and he just destroys you and you think, There's nothing I can do. I can't grow. You know what I mean? So the Raptors, you look at their money. Lowry's 31 million and 33.3 in two years. So the next two years, the Raptors are kind of locked in. 28 million for DeRozan next year, another 28 million, then a $28 million player option. So you still have two more years Lowry, two more years of DeRozan for uncertainty. I'd imagine DeRozan at that point probably opt out looking for another huge deal. Serge, not Zwicker, Abaca, who no one around the league wants anymore. Uh, he's 21.6 million for a guy you weren't sure you could play in this series, and then you try to have him save it, and that didn't work. 23.3 million. Again, it's not Surge's fault. The Raptors lost to the Cavs. It's the other two guys' fault. So your next two years, you're looking at 80 plus million invested in both, uh, excuse me, with Lowry, DeRozan, and Serge. Jonas, I think, is a really good example of an 82 game guy. He'll give you a ton of games. He's going to put up some decent numbers. He's going to give you some toughness. And then certain playoff series, you can't take him off the bench. That's a huge problem and a huge problem for how small this league goes because there's, dude, it's kind of like the Ennis Canner rule. Like, hey, Ennis, you just stay over there on social media and not play in this round of the playoffs because we can't afford to have you out there. You could also do this deal where you go, well, what if LeBron leaves and we just won 59 games and, you know, LeBron leaves. Okay, if he leaves, he's still going to go west, which, again, I do not think is even close to as likely as him staying in the east. And you gotta then go, well, we, LeBron's not on Cleveland, but now he's on Philly. Uh, So he's kind of still in the way. So this is a really tough one. I would start the offseason going, I want our priority to be to change who we are. Lowry's a tough move at 30 million and every team seems to have a pretty good point guard. Then you go, all right, so what am I supposed to do? Move to Rosen, who's our best player. And yeah, he's not perfect. He's, Below the Paul, uh, Paul George, not perfect, and Paul George is below the Kevin Durant, perfect, but he's still really good, and it's not like he gets hurt, and we think is, you know, we think he'd be somebody even in a couple years would be interested in re-signing. So we won fifty nine games, people were excited about it. Like, am I just supposed to punt on this? Am I supposed to blow it up to the point of, hey, let's stink and reset this? I'd have to know what's available for. DeRozan, right? I'd have to know what's available for him, and we want to start playing that game. Like, do you really want to trade DeRozan to the Cavs or Kevin Love in the pick? Mm, Maybe, and I'm going to keep using Kevin Love as the pick because that's what Cleveland's going to try to do to improve this team around LeBron this offseason. Uh, That is a fact, but I could understand Toronto, even though I would not want to if I were the GM. I'd be saying to ownership and the coach, like, "We we can't come back with this group. We can't do a fifth year of this stuff. We saw it for four years, and this group just doesn't have it. And if I hated every deal on the table, I wouldn't go, all right, so I'm, I'm so anti this group that I'm going to trade my best player for worst players and win 45 games. So that's, that's really hard, man. That's why these jobs are hard.
1: Yeah. I don't think, I don't think there's any, I mean, what do you, what about Kay, I mean, if you just, if they come back without Dwayne Casey next year, new coach, are you okay if they bring everybody back?
0: Uh, you know, that's the other thing, dude. Was probably going to stop coach of the year by the way uh well he won the coaches award. oh coaches' coach, coach year, yeah. yeah so this is the first time they've ever done this by the way and you know brad not getting one votes kind of a joke but i think the media's blowing this up a little bit more because it makes it feel like it's these other votes where if you had three options brad may have still come in second place you know um and i also think coaches the way they do all-star rosters a lot of times they'll pick the guy whose team is higher than the other guy You know, like they don't like, coaches don't like picking players from losing teams and look, the Celtics are the two seed. But I was wondering if a lot of coaches go, well, I want to vote Brad, but you know, if the other guy won 59 games and he's the one seed, I'm going to go ahead and vote for Casey. And people turn it out to me, this is jealousy and nobody likes Brad Stevens. It'd be really hard to dislike Brad Stevens. Like really hard. I mean, he is, he is that happy go lucky, aw shucks guy. And I don't really think it's much of an act.
1: Yeah, it doesn't look for any credit whatsoever. Totally no. non-me guy.
0: No, I mean, his interview with, with um, I saw the I, the quote Sean Grandy had it on the Celtics pregame thing, but he asked him, and, and Brad's like, oh, thank God I didn't win. If I had a vote, I'd, I'd get to 10 names and feel bad even putting myself down. You're like, easy, Russell Wilson. You know, like, take it easy. Uh, that Raptors problem is a huge problem. Like you could say, hey, the plan is we're going to break this up. We're going to figure this out, but we still want to stay competitive. And then you'd hate all the trade offers. And then you go, all right, nobody wants Serge. Nobody wants Jonas. People want DeRozan. So we're supposed to trade our best player and come back and lose more games. Eh. Why don't we just have a great atmosphere and win a bunch of Sunday games because teams go out the night before and that's what we'll do. Uh, I would, I would still put them at the top of the list despite the fact I'm completely uh, sympathetic towards that deal okay let's talk wizards this is the next team I'm more mad about this team because <laughs> like in Toronto I can see it happening in front of me with the wizards I go who do you see when you look in the mirror because I don't think you see yourself and their money situation is way worse now the wizards could argue wait a minute we should have been a Western conference Western well that would have been amazing an Eastern Conference finals team last year and I still can't believe they lost that seven-game series to the Celtics, but it was seven games in the second round, and they lost. They weren't they weren't as tough. That's my whole thing with them is they're the ones that talk all that junk, and then they never back it up. And Markeith Morris, after they lose to the Raptors in a series that they may have, you know, could have won that one, keeps like, hey, dude, we're the best team. And you go, dude, how many times are you guys going to keep losing to teams that you're supposed to be better than, and they just keep losing? But their money, their payroll numbers, Rudy, are so horrifying. So for the next few years, right now, by the way, Otto Porter is the highest paid player on the team. He's at 26 mil, 27 mil, and then a player option at 28.5 mil three seasons from now. So this is not, this is moving forward. This is 18-19, 19-20, Bradley, real deal Beal here is 25.4 mil, 27 mil, and then 28.7 mil. Wall over the three years, 19 million next season, and then his new deal kicks in, Dude. 37.8 million, <laughs> 41 million, 43.8 million. <laughs> and I haven't even uh. thrown in Jan Mahimi's money, which uh, this is like one of those deals where if you said, Oh, the cap goes up, punch yourself in the face. Mahimi's 16 million, 15 and a half million on the books, not options there, on the books the next two years. He averaged nine minutes per game against the Raptors. So in 2019 and 2020, so once Wall's extension kicks in, you'll be paying Otto, Porter, Beal, and Wall $92 million. And let's throw in Jan's money, $107.6 million. $107.6 million for Porter, Beal, Wall, and Jan Mahimi. And they're not sniffing the finals they're not even close. Now, Beal's best season was this past year. He's been really good the last two years. He's 24. Uh The playoffs, he actually put up big scoring numbers, but he's a scoring guy that doesn't really... You know, he's not an assist-rebound guy. He's absolutely a scorer, just under 40% from three for his career. Wall, 27, was awesome last year. Um He was flirting with kind of that, who's that next here? Like, if I can give you the top seven or eight players in the NBA... Is he in that next group? Is he 10? I don't know. There were still six guards ahead of him. I still think, especially now arguing this year when he missed half the season, Wall, Lillard, more people are going to take Lillard, and I think that's the right call. But Wall, I would you agree with me that he was at least flirting with that kind of real estate last year? Yeah, Okay. So he had been healthy again after some health issues early on. He'd been healthy for four straight seasons, basically four full seasons, then misses 41 games this year. His numbers against Toronto, 26, 11 and 6 boards, but only 19% from 3. We know the deal there. Otto Porter, 25 in June. He was 15, 6, and 2. 49%, 40 from 3 this year. He never gets to the free throw line. His career attempts is like 1 per game for his career. And if you say I'm being unfair, it's 1.7, because you do your research, kid. Uh 1.7 free throw attempts per game this year. In the playoffs, your man Otto Porter... Average, again, the highest-paid wizard. Nine points, four boards, one assist. I would, Oof. if the Kevin Love thing presented itself, and who knows what happens in the lottery with Brooklyn's pick, that is now Cleveland's, that might be one where I go, okay, nobody's going to want Wall's contract. And that's one of those things where you go, well, you know what Wall would have gotten? That same contract from somebody else. And again, it's the home team bonus there a little bit. But it would have been that kind of deal coming off of last year. Other teams would have fallen down on themselves to pay for Wall because it's like, Hey, look, I got to pay for somebody. And if I have the room, I will add John Wall, even though I know he's not perfect. And that's NBA econ 101. But I would, that's the one where I'd go. Maybe I break up ball and we, uh, excuse me, Beal and Wall. I add love. I get him away from LeBron. And maybe just by that, he's, he's back to what I think but I know Beale's going to age better here than Wall will, or excuse me, Beale will age better than Love will over the next three years. But then I can say, look, what if we actually hit the pick? Like it's a weird kind of deep. And then some days I don't think it's that great of a draft, which we'll get to as we get closer to the draft. And you know, some days I'm like, you know what? This draft could end up actually sucking, but maybe it's going to be deep. You know, man, who knows? Maybe bridges from Villanova. You go, how the hell did he go eighth? Man, he's really good, but it's that kind of weird draft where last year I go, man, this is just really good. Um, that might be something where the Wizards say, here's what we could do. We could take another shot at it, have a full year wall, and they're still paying Gortat pretty good money for two years. We have no real next young player. Ubrey's not any good. Let's do, let's just do something different because we're going to be staring at 109 million with those four guys in two years and we're not close. And Philly's going to be awesome. LeBron, you know, who knows what he'll be at. Boston's going to be incredible. Giannis might be good enough to be better than us. That would be one where if I'm the Wizards, I would take that call, especially knowing if Cleveland went, you know what? Hey, LeBron, we're going to do this Beal deal. You don't have to pay with, play with a lottery pick, which LeBron doesn't want to do. You get Love out of there. It was nice while it lasted. That might be something you really have to to think about if you're the Wizards. I would.
1: Pro- I mean, yeah, I would. If I'm the Wizards, I think you got to break up those two. I. I, I got.
0: Would you do Beal for Love?
1: I would. Definitely do that if I was the Cavs. Um, yeah, yeah, you are gonna say no if you are the Wizards.
0: You gotta go, dude. He's twenty four, and loves hats. I know, injuries. I
1: know, but I just don't know what what Beal is gonna be like. What is he? He just seems so laid back sometimes.
0: You are right. I, I, pro- I mean, sometimes I think he's a superstar. I feel and feel like good I would this year, you know, and he was I feel good like last I'd year,
1: say but, yes to that deal only because I just want to see what happens. Like, because nothing. Like, I still think they'd be in the playoffs. I still think they'd be fine. And who knows? Maybe, Ke- maybe Kevin Love is. You know, more rejuvenated, and he, and he finds himself into Minnesota, Kevin Love, and he starts playing better. I, I feel like I would lean towards yes, just because I'd be interested in knowing what the heck would happen if I did that. And I know what I have now, and it's
0: probably not going anywhere. You got a little robot thing going back there, so I don't know if that's just a my end or if it's still right now. Hello? Hello, you got me. Yeah, you sound a little robotic. Hold on. How about now? Any better? Oh, uh, this does sound good. Give me a quick
1: breakdown. How about of wait? Really quick, Roma. Th- do I – well, hold on. Let me throw this trade at you first, and then I will break down Roma. All right. You're still Hi. a little weird, but we're going to ride through it. All right, cool. I'm just going to do this auto-tune thing for a little bit. All right. Um, Jonathan Tarks of The Ringer, I think I brought this up to you last night. I found out who actually proposed this deal. What about a sign-in trade for Boogie Cousins? Boogie Cousins re-signs whatever money he wants to re-sign with, with in New Orleans – and they trade him for Otto Porter, so they basically like New Orleans gets some value for for Boogie, and Boogie goes to get gets to reunite with his you know Kentucky Wildcat boy and John Wall, and then make the money work. You know, you probably have to work some salaries around in there, or whatever. But
0: it's a really good question because it's like the first thing you want to do is like no, and you're like, well, no for who? Like I I think I'd want to see Boogie before I invest all sorts of money into a guy that big, um, coming off an Achilles. And I have a I have a no Boogie cousins rule. So I w- I would say no if I. That were would
1: really be like so. the one example though where I'm like okay I could talk myself into it just because that team is going probably nowhere is a disaster financially and at least they're boys and they want to play with each other and hopefully like there's gonna be no drama.
0: Yeah, there's gonna be drama, dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I mean the, no drama. The whole John is stupid. But. John Wall is going to fix Demarcus. Although, you know, to credit Demarcus, he was he was better this year. He, he really was. Yeah, but and then I, they got better when he after he got hurt. Yeah, you know? then they got even better. Um, but he himself, as a longtime critic of him, went. You know what? The, this has been a little bit better, but he's still going to shut it down for too many possessions and and cost you games. So, I'd start with no because I wouldn't want him, and then the Achilles thing and the money. So that's three nos. And the problem is is it's like, well, dude, we're giving you Otto Porter, who isn't, you know, great. Yeah, I don't even know what th- he
1: is. I thought I thought he was gonna be good coming out of Georgetown,
0: but Well, he's actually a really talented guy. Like, you know, it's not just I think the problem is you kinda of have to stick in the corner with a ball dominant guy and wall and then Beal and you know, look, I'm not a I'm not a huge Scott Brooks guy. I'm just not. But we all used to think that the Thunder like the greatest thing that could have ever happened to Scotty Brooks was Billy Donovan because you go, Oh, wait yeah. a minute. Maybe it wasn't that Scott Brooks was an idiot. And just as an aside, think how many coaches we've wanted fired. We wanted Casey fired, which I don't I don't know. Like I'm not a huge fire everybody guys, you guys know. We've wanted Prunty fired, but that's just because of his nineteen ninety nine JC Penny look. We've wanted uh Brooks we want fired every year, forever. We want uh who's the other one? Oh Tibbs, we been like, is he the right guy now? Well, I think okay. that's
1: actually a legit claim. I, I okay, all right, I'm on but I'm that just train.
0: and then Billy Donovan. It's like, oh, it's time to go. Well, Terry Stotts too now. Terry Stotts. That was kind of weird there for a little while because I think that was an ownership thing more than anything else. But I think Stotts is a good coach. So and you can still be a good coach, and it can be time to move on and all that stuff. People want to dock fire. Now we're not even talking playoff teams. But my whole point is that we're almost half of the playoff field. Brett Brown's getting killed today. Where it's up, you know, it's just not enough offense. You know, and you just go, like, when is this ever on the players? Like, We're just supposed to fire every, like, half of the playoff field? It's it's, it's easier,
1: though. like That's the the whole point.
0: Yeah, but nobody adds anything to it. And this is, again, my whole bigger picture thing of, like, why maybe I'm not good at this. Um, Meaning, you know, the radio and the nonsense and three hours a day of going, oh, you know, coming up next. The six guys are going to lose their jobs. I just, I, I think it's. It's really funny how it's become so sympathetic towards a player. Like, every single player that's not playing well. Like, all of a sudden... Like, I thought Embiid had some bad stretches in Game 5. And then his overall line... They were a leaving him open line. from 3. And and then it's like, oh, it's just too many minutes. The worst thing about this minutes awareness crap is that now no one's just having a bad game. It's up... The minutes caught up to him, Like, the dumb Warriors thing. And I'm just killing everybody today, but I don't care. The Warriors thing where it's just... Up, uh, shouldn't have gone for seventy-two wins. Got tired at the end. Yep, that's what happened. Right when Game Five started, they go, "Just ran out of gas. We're out of gas. This thing's over." Harden last year, Game Six, missing San Antonio. Uh, he just it wore him down. He was the only option. He goes, "So no one just has bad games. It's only because they're tired now." Because all of you guys are tracking minutes, like you are, your RIA, or Excuse me, your IRA. That joke would have been way better if it was smoother, but it didn't work. Maybe it wasn't even that great of a joke. Okay, final one. Here Portland, nope, not blowing it up. Again, talking to people about this one. Uh, and if you think that you can break up those guards the way you talk about breaking up Beal and Wall, Portland doesn't want to break them up. They have them under contract for the next three years. They like both guys. Lillard's 28, 20, or excuse me, 28, 30 million, 31.6. McCollum's 26, 27 and, a half, and 29 million. The Evan Turner contract is terrible. I still can't believe a front office that I think is terrific would have signed Evan Turner, but hey, look, they have their bad contract now. Myers Leonard and Mo Harkless are about 20 to 23 million combined the next two years. You'd love to get off that Myers money. Mo's been a pretty good player for them. Yusuf, still one more year of control there. They'll figure this thing out. Uh, and they love Zach Collins. They would not do a CJ for Kevin Love in the pick deal. Just because Kevin Love is from the Pacific Northwest, uh, we do a lot of that stuff. We're like, eh, you know, maybe, yes, that's what would happen. Because Kevin Love is familiar with the topography of that part of the country, they'd be willing to move one of the best guards in the league for an older Kevin Love and a pick. No.
1: Like, yeah, I mean, love, if I'm, if I'm Kevin Love, I want rivers. that. <laughs> if I'm Kevin yeah, Love, right. I want that. If I'm the, yeah. if I'm the Cavs, I want that, but not if I'm the Blazers.
0: Yeah, Kevin. What can you what can you tell us about your improved shooting this year? He's like something about it just a mist filled morning. Yeah, just the air. Yeah, really the air. Camp. Love this. this is a vinyl shop downtown that we didn't have access to in Cleveland. I just haven't haven't stopped hitting three since. Love really, really old love Portlandia. EPs. Yeah, Portlandia is sick. Reminds me. So, um, I would not put Portland because apparently all the local Portland stuff is like oh, It's time to move on from these two guys. Portland's kind of like my Philly in a way. You know what's a successful season? Is, is the third seed for Portland, a team that figured out their defense in the second half, Yusuf being better, being in better shape, the development of Collins. And they go, hey, look, we can get really depressed and getting bounced out. And the weird thing is, it's almost unfair fl- uh, playing the Pelicans in the playoffs because you go, oh, what would you do? Add two players? Who's this guy with no beard that looks like Miritich? Oh, that's Miritich? Oh, he doesn't miss now? Who, go- oh, you got him for the Bulls for like a pick? Huh. And what's up with Rondo? time travel from 2010 like what happened here so (laughs) uh you could sit there and say oh this this thing doesn't work like i I, if i were running portland i go hey it works actually i think right now for who we are who we thought we were going to be third seed playoffs super disappointing but let's not use the four game sweep against the pelicans now Reevaluate who we are and take our own basketball lives so that is uh that's about an hour of MBA content for you right there. What's
1: up? All fair, I, I believe. I'm, I agree with you on all the, uh, the blow it ups. I'm just sort of, I, I, and do You I, have another
0: team that I should have known? No,
1: no, but I will give you an example. Like I was Robot's a big, rooting. and I think I was wrong with you, you disagree with me, but I was a big Clippers blow it up guy for like years. Like I just hated watching that team. I was annoyed by them. So I'm, it's not like I'm, it's not like I'm always a not blow it up guy. I do agree with you on these three instances. But I was a big, like, all right, I hate watching CP3 and and Blake, and I hate watching Doc complain. Like, get get For the last three years, I've been like, I can't take this anymore. So I have a history of wanting to
0: blow it up. Yeah, but you have to admit, like, that's a – if you were a GM and you went, well, in that spot it would have been Doc at the time, but, like, you couldn't go, hey, we're winning 50-plus games, we have two really good players, but, gosh, we complain a lot. So you just annoy me enough that I want to get trades.
1: No, I'm not (laughs) – yeah, I know that's not, like, an actual – like, that's not actual analysis to be like, hmm – like, maybe because they're just, like, horrible on the court to referees that they should just be broken up. No, I get but that.
0: The Clippers thing is, you know, the Clippers thing is very frustrating because if you're the Clippers, you go, you know, look, are we Golden State? No. Um, but they felt like, you know, those are Doc's words. That, you know, we were kind of right there, and they were winning a ton of games, and they'd have unbelievably bad luck, and... And that's part of your roster, too, is, you know, the Clippers weren't really great with evaluating health, but what were they supposed to do? And, look, they ended up trading Blake and getting off of that god-awful contract. And you hope everybody in Detroit was on the same page, and that wasn't just Stan trying to make a last-ditch effort to get an extension, because that contract's terrible for a guy that around the league, they go, even if I like Blake, I know I'm going to have to make a backup plan for him because he's going to get hurt at the end of the year every single year. And that kind of leads us to Chris Paul thing. I got all sorts of tweets. Shout-out to the CP3 Army out there. I really appreciate it. I wasn't. People were like, "I bet your shirts off Manhattan Beach celebrating." I'm not because I'm still not in my house. Number two, for those that know that I am in Malibu and I have been for a couple of weeks, uh, I was not shirts off there either. I was shirts off at the house that I'm now working security at, and that's a whole nother story that we'll get to maybe a little bit later. But a friend is letting me stay at their house, and all I've done is watch NBA games, and I don't like the late uh, early game deal like everybody that goes oh you move out to the west coast you're gonna love it all the games are early i think it sucks it makes me rush the entire day and then when the games are over at 8 39 i have nothing to do and then i go to bed early and i'm waking up at six every day and the reason everybody says they like it is because everybody else has kids that's my age so you like it because of your kids because you go to bed early and you get up early with them i think it i hate it i don't want to have to have something to do at nine i'm not like i'm not that cool i'm not gonna go out you know Although, I'm thinking about maybe maybe checking out Malibu tonight a little bit. I'm thinking about it. We'll see. Um, but I'm really pumped for Chris Paul. But I don't think you should pound your chest about, hey, I made it out of the second round. Although, the second round jokes, I think, are a little unfair. Because, again, his injury for one of them, or two of them, and then Blake's for like... Like, they're so injury-based. And, you know, his game winner against the Spurs in that first round. Like, the dude's nasty. And he was... Filthy to close out that game. And Harden, which I thought was important information after that game, Chris was like, look, he's sick. So, you know, I hope people realize that because Harden was kind of moving sort of slow, and it didn't really even matter. And it sucks that it Donovan Mitchell got hurt at the end of that game because that would have been kind of a cool little shootout with Paul and Mitchell. And Mitchell, you know, is a whole other story, which has been so awesome for Utah. And that's another team is disappointed. Like, talk about where you thought they'd be and where their season ended. Utah is another. Don't tell me it's a disappointment. It, that's a huge success for them, but I'm not. I don't look at Chris Paul making it the third round going, see, I told you he was good. He was a great player with an awful playoff resume. And the 3 1 blown lead isn't because of injuries to Houston. That's an all timer choke job. Awful. He wears it until he were to win. And, you know, if he beats this Warriors team who's better than his team, then it's like, does it mean the haters were wrong? I, I think the haters are wrong now about him i just think he's that good i mean what he did to close out utah was sick that was sick but i actually think that's kind of who he is no turnovers 40 points and hardens like sideways so uh you know i wasn't sitting at home going like yeah he did it because i just i don't know i I always thought he was good
1: yeah i sort of feel the same way because i'll I, i was arguing this the other yesterday He's not, he's no different today than he has been his entire career just because he's in a conference final. He's the same guy. He's awesome. He's, a, he's, there Maybe he's maybe a top five point guard ever. Like, I don't know. He might be. And like, whether or not he his wins the title numbers, or not,
0: like, his, he's his, still great. Yeah. I mean, there's, there. look, there's something to be said. Of, like, what are we keeping track of here, too? You no, know? I get like, that. I get yeah. that.
1: I get, you know, champ, we count championships and it's obviously really important to change Dirk's career or would have changed Malone and Stockton's career. But like, Chris Paul has, has been great. And it's no different now that he is in a conference final than he was 2-3 or even last year.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's some guys around the league that don't like him, and I don't know if that's because they're annoyed by him, but they'll say, oh, he dribbles the hell out of the ball, and, you know, it, it slows you down, it doesn't work, and, you know, you go, all right. But then sometimes I'm like, is the GM the same guy that would be on a TV show? Well, like what? What's like, the? how do you...
1: What's the situation where he, like, grossly underachieved? I mean, it's probably just that loss to the to the Rockets where they blew that lead, right? That's, pr- that's really the only, like, major blemish. Like, he got there early with the Pelicans. He had a ton of success, and then he didn't really get out of the, you know, he didn't get out of the second round for a little while.
0: Okay. He, he became the best point guard really quick in the league. Like, there was a stretch there where it was like, okay, he's taking it from Nash. And I thought maybe it was the second or third year. I'm embarrassed to admit,
1: too. I was a I was a, uh, a Darren Williams guy for a while A lot there. of people were.
0: Yeah. Cause they do a lot of head to head stuff.
1: I think he, Darren Williams was nasty. Oh, for a couple years. And I think, I don't think it's ridiculous, but now it looks ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, there was this weird thing where jazz fans would argue kind of the head to head. I'd have to go back and look it all up to make sure I'm right about it. So don't, don't hold me to this, but I, I think there were ways to, there's always kind of ways to craft arguments. You know, like I had this Derek Rose buddy that used to constantly be like, well, Derek eats up Steph Curry and look at the wins losses. And you just be like, are you serious at this point? Like Rose's toast. Um, let's do a uh, life update then. Because I have to get my car to the parking garage in the next however many minutes. Alright, quick update. What's the
1: deal? No house still, hanging out, being you said you were running security.
0: Yeah, I don't really I don't know how deep I can get into it. It's pretty scary. It kinda sucks. It doesn't suck for me. Um but the house I'm staying at, and this is gonna end up being probably out there it's sort of out there already but a stalker showed up for uh the girl whose house i'm staying at it was bad dude <laughs> and i can't i don't know i haven't i haven't asked her enough about it but she has she has posted something about it and she mentions her friend that was there to uh, take care of the guy and it's me so you <laughs> so, just
1: so you confronted this guy
0: yeah i had to he was standing outside well what was the what was the conversation like it was, um, it was weird cause, you know, here's, I can't get too into it cause I've had a lot of people be like, oh, I can't believe you just beat them up and no one, no one hit anybody. Um, but you don't, you don't get it. You don't understand what, like so many of these scenarios in life that we're all experts about after the fact, be like, oh, I would have done this. I mean, everybody's such a Rambo dude after the fact. And you go, no, you don't, you don't know what it's like until it actually happens to you. And usually the stuff is a little bit more thought out where you're going, all right, what's going on here? So I don't want to get too deep into it and, we will at some point, I'll tell the full story of how it all went down. Cause it's nuts. It's totally nuts. And it was the first night I was in this house by myself. And, um, you know, and I'm not trying to act like I'm such a tough guy. Cause I know I'm not. I, I hit myself in the head the other night and I, I like, I whacked myself on like a door threshold. Cause I'm in, in this new house. I didn't have all the angles down right. And, um, you know, I like, I didn't have the light on. I hit my head. I was like, ah, damn it. And it hurt so bad. I was like, God, man, imagine, like, getting punched in the face now. Like, it used to not bother, you know, like, it hurt. It sucked. But now it's like, eh. So, you know, I didn't want to, like, go Van Damme on this guy. But, um yeah, it's. I mean, it's really scary. It's really scary. And actually, like, as a guy that, like, there are certain times where I'll resist some of the gender arguments. And I can be called a dinosaur for it. But I go, you know, I think we still should should ask questions about everything, you know. And, look. But that was a kind of reminder, I'm like, as a guy, man, like it made me feel so bad for women because I go, that's something as a guy you just don't have to deal with. And it kind of made me think about my sisters, made me think about any, you know, female that I'm close with. And I was just like, that's the part where dudes, like, you know, some of it's mental health and all, and all this stuff, but some of it's just creepy, jerk dudes. And it's such a bummer that you would be a guy and... Put yourself in a position to scare a female. It just sucks. And, you know, clearly we're all aware of this and that it happens. But when it happens to a friend and then you're the guy that's there, and luckily she wasn't there. I was just coming back to her house. Um, I just kept thinking, like, I can't imagine what it's like to be a female and, and to have maybe had that scenario. And how frightening, how the uncertainty, what the hell, how dare you. It just sucks. It sucks. So it made me uh, shout out to the women. Shout out to women listening to the podcast. I'm thinking about you. Um, other than that, yeah, I'm up in Malibu. I actually really like it. It's awesome. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. The whole PCH thing probably do without. Um, for like a non Cali
1: guy or any guys who are listening to this pod, what's the major difference between Malibu and Manhattan beach?
0: Oh, wow. Good question. Very good question. Uh, Malibu's very like, so what you do is you go up through Santa Monica and it's a PCH. So as soon as you're, you, you, you pull down the hill out of Santa Monica, which is, you know, Santa Monica's cool. It's where I work out now, Equinox. Shout out to, oh, there's an LSU guy that's working out there now. And then there's a guy named Pete from Minnesota, pretty jacked. I'm sizing him up a bit. Oh, that's the other thing too, is I just talk to strangers now. Guys just talk to each other We're like, Hey, how are you doing? Where are you from? Oh, I'm from Mass. Oh, I'm from, I'm from Cleveland. Oh, it's nice to meet you. You like it out here? Yeah, I do. And then I'm like, am I supposed to, are we supposed to keep talking? Is this how you guys do it out in LA? Two dudes just talk to each other and they say hi and they're friendly. Just mixing it up. Yeah. So I've been talking to strangers left and right. It's crazy. Um, but yeah. So you just, you bounce out of Santa Monica and then you roll by Topanga and that's this little sketchy, uh, section. It's not bad or anything. It's just sort of like a state park, state access to the beach. And then they have this horrible kind of decrepit, um, thing. I can't believe somebody hasn't bought it up and redone it all to real estate. Maybe something I do if the podcast doesn't take off. But then you, you know, drive out about 10 minutes and then Malibu starts. And then there's Moon Shadows, if you remember Mel Gibson. And then you go another, I don't know, seven, 10 minutes. Nobu's up there, Soho, Malibu. Can't get into it, uh, because I'm not a, a resident or I haven't applied. So that probably has something to do with it. And then there's the pier. And it's a nice little pier. It's not like a big Santa Monica tourist trap pier. It's a nice little pier, a nice little restaurant. And then there's a great break there, but the waves haven't been terrific. I'm going to go out surfing tomorrow though. And then you roll in a little deeper and then you stay for the, you come for the surfing, you stay for the shopping. That's what it says in the billboard. And there, I went to the lumber yard yesterday. I was fixing some stuff around my friend's house. Got some clamps and some wood dowels. Not a big deal. Trained. Whoa. Yeah. You know, trained. Don't have all my tools with me. Yeah, the, the moving company's calling me every day asking and finally I was like, I don't have a date. You're just going to have to keep charging me and it sucks for me, but I'm not even going to try to con you out of this anymore. So Malibu is very scenic. Like all of the coast stuff is scenic to a degree, but Malibu is another level. Like you drive up through the mountains and you're just surrounded by these gorgeous, I mean, it's so sick if you just stop and take a look at it and it's a little hippier vibe. Um, the houses on the water are all incredible, but you kind of have to suck up the fact that like you're right next to everything else and the road is right there. But, you know, if you wake up every day and you're looking at the water, you, you know, that's not a bad start to the day. And it's, it's more of, it feels a little bit more like a lifestyle up in Malibu. And again, I've only been there a couple of weeks. So, but you know, you roll in, there was a dude selling popsicles and he had a big wick, Is uh, it a wicker hat? I don't know if that's what you call it, but like a big, big sun hat shirt off, double coolers, sinewy, I would say, Saruti. He wasn't muscular, but he was sinewy because he's just (laughs) walking around kicking in Malibu. And he was in his 50s. popsicles. Yeah, and and they were all organic, homemade fruit popsicles. And so he's walking through. He's like, popsicles, all organic, strawberry, pomegranate, blueberry. And then prior to that, there was a dude playing a Congo for 30 minutes uninterrupted, and he wasn't... This wasn't Carlos Santana, you know, and he was playing along and he kind of looked up was like, sir, do you have any frozen, wait a minute, which flavors did I say? Pomegranate, strawberry, blueberry. Yeah. He's like, do you have any frozen banana? He goes, sir, I do not have any frozen banana. And the guy goes, I'm sorry. Thank you. And the guy goes, thank you, my brother, and God bless. And he kept walking. I was like, man, this place is pretty peaceful out here. Manhattan Beach is a little bit more structured. You know, I think if you move to Malibu, you're like, you have something going on in your life where you're just sort of up there. Even though you can still argue Malibu's been a more convenient commute for me than it would be to be down in Manhattan Beach. But Manhattan Beach is more, um, a lot of athletes live down there, a lot of agents live down there. Um, it's not hippie at all. It's probably younger, Um and there's just there's a little bit more of an area to it, even though the village itself isn't really big. So in Malibu, you could kind of drive everywhere. Manhattan Beach, if you want to get out and walk, you can walk all through the downtown area. And then there's other pockets that you drive through, which is another little area to hang out if you want. But it's probably more like you would probably move your family to Manhattan Beach. And be like, okay, we have everything we need, and we're right here, and we're good to go. Where in Malibu, I, I think you're signing up for a little different lifestyle. That was a pretty thorough answer. It was. It was good. I yeah, so now. my house my house isn't ready. I, I, I have nothing else to say, really. Um uh, flying out to Chicago next week for the Combine. We'll be doing other hoop streams, check out that one. We did the first one. Hoop streams on Twitter. It's with Jacoby and I. We had Ryan Hollins and it went really well. And I guess in this new world of trying to figure out which numbers are real and all the fake ones, like I guess a lot of those Facebook numbers are just fake as can be. But on Twitter you can actually see who's watching, how long they're watching, and, and like a real actual count of who's clicking on your thing. So that feels like on Twitter, that's going to be a future of a lot of the things that we're doing. So I'm doing one lottery night. So I think that's the 15th. Um, Oh, big
1: night for your boy.
0: Ah, right. And then I'm flying to Chicago for the Combine. I doubt I'll do anything with them um, because I don't host the show anymore. And I'm going to be doing the NBA Finals. I'm going to do game one from L.A. And then I'm going to fly back to Bristol. (laughs) And I'm going to be in Connecticut for like six out of eight days or seven. Living out of the dreams, yeah, and that's fine. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not complaining. It's just, it's funny. What, what will happen is my house will be ready right before I fly back to stay in Connecticut for a week and a half. Yeah, that's what will happen. Leave your
1: stuff. But, well, I guess you could still, make, the storage company can put your stuff in the house at that point then.
0: Yeah, but I have an aquarium and I have, of course, a, of course, a stand-up piano that needs to be put back together. So, you know, I got to be there, make sure they get the pH levels right. Okay, uh so check out Hoop Streams on Twitter. You can follow me at Ryan A. Please subscribe. Make sure everybody subscribes. We have new numbers coming in soon. Probably yeah, in the next week or so. Yeah, I was hoping to get a nice NBA bump. But you know, I'm just gonna spread the word. That was some real content
1: today. Really <laughs> packed a lot in there. Did like most teams. We gotta do a we gotta do a
0: lottery special. We'll do a lottery special. Um but, see, I don't know. Oh, maybe I can tape it from Chicago next week. So should I do it that way instead of doing the Monday? Let's do that. Let's not do one next Monday. Let's do it after the lottery, and I'll tell you. Well, that would actually work out because it would be after the lottery, and yeah. it would be after a game
1: was one in game, two, game one of both series. The Chicago guys owe me anyway because Van
0: Pelt and I got bumped from throwing up the first pitch for Kyler. Oh, there you go. So that never that joke will never stop happening and it's not even funny anymore it's just nba level petty uh do i have any other interesting things the stalker thing i can't get too into um gym is nice i've been eating great i haven't gone out gone out since i've been here what are you eating like 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 all, all organic sorts, health, a lot stuff. a lot of a lot Moody's. of different grains and protein. Yeah, and, definitely, you know, a lot of bowls with some protein mixed into the acai. You know, even if is it it's acai? acai? Or I thought it was acai. acai. I don't know, I I, I tried. Mm. You might be right. You probably are. I don't care. I just go medium. That one. If you're still listening to this, you are a trooper because I don't think I have anything left. Oh, the writing. Uh it's going pretty well actually. We had we had some good news. Recently, so uh, on script number two, and feeling good about it, pumped up. What's the news? What, what, what happened? Rave reviews. The compliment was, "It's so good, I thought someone else wrote it." Wow! Nice. <laughs> <Make> it... <laughs> Wait, you wrote this? Yeah, yeah. That was the that was the compliment at a dinner. It was a, you know, it was didn't so good. Didn't think you had it in yet. I honestly thought after reading your first one that there's no way you could have written something this good. I'm like, the man, thanks? <laughs> so, uh, you know what? I, I don't care. I was like, I'll take it. I will take it as a compliment. So I don't want to say it's going to be in variety where there's going to be headlines like the industry's on fire about Russo's latest script. Yeah, so should we expect war. this to be HBO 2020,
1: 2019?
0: I don't know, people buy up stuff all season long now. It used to be even, you know. Look, I'm not any even close. I, as I say this, I might even get it wrong, but they used to kind of feel like there was this season for pitches and then for things to get picked up. And now it's just it doesn't matter. You know, like there's this downtime. At least a couple of years ago, you know what? That could have been my agent lying to me back then. My old agent, like, oh yeah, you know, nobody does any work for these six months. But like they take six months off. That sounds weird. Sign me up, dude. <laughs> Maybe Netflix changed all that, right? Uh, Yeah, I think you just have to kind of keep up. You just have to, you know, keep buying up content. Like, why wait? Why wait for a a certain time of the year? So, um, it's um, it's been really weird because every everything sort of changes every week. Because the Twitter show thing was like, oh, okay, all right, cool. I'm gonna keep doing this. Um, As we all know, I'm still under contract, and you know, I've been really happy about it. So, uh, I'd love to move into a house. these these NBA playoffs have been kinda of boring to the point where I was like, Maybe I go on Tinder? I'm just kidding.
1: On no, that's all note, about Bumble
0: now, dude. Oh. Well yeah, but if it's all about Bumble, then I'd be a huge catch on Tinder. I was it's reading all, about this new all thing. All the where, cool dudes are on Bumble. I was reading about this new thing where you, you get
1: you get a you get matched based on all the things that you hate. I forget what it was <laughs> called. And I, and I actually thought of you, I was like, That actually makes a ton of sense for Ryan. I forget what along. They'd
0: be like, no, you're over (laughs) too many characters. Where do I start? Oh my goodness. Categories? I don't know. Uh, Can I hate theories or people? (laughs) First things I hate dating apps. I hate Marcus Smart traveled guys. I hate. You know, because if you're saying Marcus Smart traveled, you're the guy that goes, well, what's wrong with this organization? They've had three coaches in three months. You're like, Yeah, they fired a guy in March. There was an interim in April, and then they actually hired the real guy in June. You know? That's not like you're doing that for effect. All right, I got mad thinking about Marcus Smart again. That's it for me. Thanks for a two-parter here. I got to go get my car before he gets towed.